Welcome to the Battle Ready Podcast with Aaron McManus and Earl McManus. It's been a while since we've done this podcast, but we've been talking about doing this throughout COVID and throughout the quarantine time, but we haven't done it. And we were wrapping up our Hillsong Channel show called McManus, and we've been a bit busy <laughs> doing week-to-week um, church online to navigating these new waters of how to do life and how to be in quarantine and how to lead teams and be a part of teams and stay connected with people. And, but you know, one of the things we, me and you have talked about, we, we called each other, I think this morning or yesterday and, and really trying to make a commitment to doing this every week so that no longer will it be a podcast of random drops of three or four episodes. We're actually gonna try to make this consistent and do this each week. Yeah, I guess if this was a uh, dating relationship, we just ghosted everyone who um, we ghosted. has been with us on that already. <laughs> I think 2020 has been um, tumultuous. It's been a crazy year. Yeah. And I think the reality is that um, we put our focus on making sure that Mosaic was strong and doing well through yeah. this whole pandemic. And then we put a, a great deal of energy on the McManus uh, uh, show on, on the Hillsong channel. Yeah, um, which felt pretty fair i think not just fair but the right thing for us to do at that time with we had we have amazing producers over there steve Koch and ben woods and and um and and we just we talked about it we were like we could do it at the same time and i think we did maybe one episode of it do we do one episode maybe during the whole all we did we did some in in europe the, our last episodes we did in europe and in, in sweden and yeah, we shot several episodes of battle ready yeah. while we were in scandinavia actually yeah. i guess and which and, and then that we, was like, <laughs> I wish we could talk about that because I've gotten a little bit of, I sound kind of, I sounded a little arrogant in that podcast was saying that, you know, saying some stuff in that one and, and, and that trip was tough. Have you had time for reflection? Yeah, I think I look back <laughs> and I, I think one, that trip was tough. We had our, one of our good friends who's, who's, does, who's a part of kind of everything we're doing now is Austin St. John and, and we were f- traveling together. We were doing, I was like, seven cities and or no like 10 cities in in a week or 10 days or something like that it was it was quite it was a lot there's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and we were exhausted we we're also trying to prep for the msc worship night here we we're recording the record before we released it so there was just this like crossroads where everything was just hitting at the same time we were spending all day with these awesome people and the different cities and then we were staying up super late working on content and getting stuff ready back in la and and, and then I recorded that podcast and I felt kind of like an idiot, but also maybe some of it stood true. And I think the point of it was not necessarily to be too stuck on words, but to also just release things because it's real at the moment and, and I was feeling it. And Hey, we always said the reason we're gonna do this is so we could do something that was raw and unfiltered. And, yeah. and that means you get the most um, honest aspect of who we are but at the same time sometimes you get the best or the worst of us along the way and and both of us have made a commitment to bring that to this particular podcast and i think even more as we can like kind of have committed to keep going forward and being more consistent with it and dropping week to week to week and i don't know maybe it won't always be video and audio maybe it'll just be audio for a while i I don't know but you know we're doing this and and even we're on our little mini stage that we've kind of turned our the main room of our auditorium into like a little studio. And so I didn't want to shoot with the same background, so we just turned it. So this is what you usually <laughs> don't see on Sundays. But um, but yeah, no, it's good to be here and do this. Yeah, and I, I want to go back and say that one of the reasons we focused on the TV show McManus was because um, 
the team from Hillsong said it was going to be the only live show during the quarantine, during the pandemic, that they were going to be able to uh, yeah. provide for their audience. And so we felt that commitment and we started filming out of our house. Yeah, out of your back house. And it was pretty... Garage um, thing. I don't know if it's a back house. It's like a room above a garage. Yeah, it was intense because there were so many helicopters flying over yeah, our house constantly during, the, um, especially during the protests. Yeah. And because uh, we live three blocks from the mayor. And so um, our house was that, in the that's middle. That's not an exact location, but let's leave it at that so no one knows where you live <laughs> and keep that a little bit more, keep some things mysterious. <laughs> but you live in the neighborhood that the mayor lives in. Yes, and close enough where the protests were going by our house. By and helicopters by. were constantly over our house. And uh, yeah. um, in that it, it was a part of our constant daily and nightly experience. And, and so we wanted to put a, an emphasis on providing a live show during that entire period of time. And right. we had to move it around a few times. Um, but, um, but that was, I thought, an important thing for us to do. And even though, frankly, of everything we do, I love this podcast. I love what we do with Battle Ready. Love the conversations we have, and I've really missed doing it. So I'm I'm excited that um, we're making a renewed commitment to get this thing out there every single week. Is that what you're saying, Aaron McManus? Yeah, every no, that's, that's what I'm saying. I think I think well, I I've, I've been I've never been like the biggest, the most interested in podcasts, but now I think since the quarantine and traveling the last year a ton, like we've always traveled my whole mm -hmm. life, and it's it's a privilege and a blessing to get to do. But traveling for work more and more from Mosaic, being in Seattle, being in Mexico City, kind of being in Asia a ton with Kevin Liu and his team, being in South America, and mm -hmm. we were going everywhere, Europe, with all of the amazing Hillsong people, um, was downloading lots of podcasts and kind of keeping up with the world. And, and so I think I've done the research maybe a bit more of like what I'd want this to feel like and sound like and, mm -hmm. and what I'd want to incorporate as to, to how we do this. But, but you know, this, this episode, we really want to focus on what the last seven months have been like. Right. Some of the experiences and we've had, some of the insights we've gained. Yeah, and maybe some of the, the trauma that's, that's some taken of, some place. Of the wounds that remain. Some of the wounds. <laughs> I think, you know, so I think hitting mental health, I think talking about COVID-19 and quarantine, the politics, misinformation, um, conspiracy theories, understanding Black Lives Matter, understanding um, what? The massive cultural divide that we have right now. Yeah, even even was identity politics, like just having this yeah. conversation about how do we speak to all people, even when you're really de you know you're choosing to, to 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 defend and say statements like all like uh, not like to say when you when you when you care about all people when you're saying statements like Black Lives Matter, navigating that like how how do people so confused that that that, that when you know those moments you yeah. know I think we're addressing all of those things. Even you know? we put up this uh, I think brilliant. Wait, wait, billboard. wait, no, no, before we get there, we did bring up, the, should we start at the beginning? Or do you want to just go there now? Well, in the beginning. In the beginning. <laughs> in the beginning. Uh, God created. Yeah. So uh, where would you like, to, which beginning would you like to start at? Maybe let's start, let's start with this. What was the first thing, what's the last thing you remember doing before everything shut down? That's right. I went to Quito, yes. Ecuador to open up our campus. Uh, I think your mama would me think Mariah I think so too. was there and we opened up a campus yeah. in Quito, Ecuador two weeks before the global pandemic swept the earth and so, the quarantine so shut everything have, down. Would that have been the last week of February or the first week of March? I think it was in February. Okay. I think it was in February. And, and I was on my way. I had two trips to New Zealand, a trip to Singapore, a trip to Kuala Lumpur, all scheduled in March. Yeah. 
And I, I, was, I was on most of those trips with you, I think. Yeah, and everything was wiped out. Yeah. So I think the last things, we, we went to Scandinavia, we went to London. Yeah, and, and um, I, had, I had told myself I wasn't gonna travel all of February because January was so intense. intense. Right. And I, w I left January exhausted. And now I, I turned down some things in February that I wish I had said yes to. <laughs> Little did you know that that would be the last time you'd that I would, get on a plane I know. overseas and I know. for quite a while. But, but yeah, so now we're here. So that was the last thing you remember doing, opening the campus in, in Quito, in Quito yeah. Ecuador, Mosaic, Ecuador, and great, amazing people down there. It's and incredible. It incredibly well. Uh, we had around a thousand people show up for our first gathering and uh, hundreds of people giving their lives to Jesus. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And then within two weeks, they were having to shut down their campus. <laughs> and I, I, I don't even, let's see, I don't actually even remember. I got to talk to Carlos and the, the guy that we, you know, one of my great friends, but, but our, my, like we co-pastor in Venice. And I, we had hit like a pretty rough February because I think there were, or maybe it was the beginning of March. I think it was, it was some election, some preliminary voting mm -hmm. that was going on. And so we lost our venue because we were in a, 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 an elementary school in Venice. Mm -hmm. And then, so we lost it then. And then something happened the next week. So we were out of it two weeks in a row. And then COVID hit and no one understood why anyone was closing things down. So, mm -hmm. so like church-wise or work-wise, campus-wise, I, I don't fully, I mean, now it's been four and a half months. I don't fully remember what the last thing, oh, it was Jake's birthday, Mariah's husband, mm. brother-in-law. It was his birthday. We went to a restaurant together, like all, a bunch of us. And it was packed. Or may, and then I don't remember what, what I did before. Like that was it. Do you remember when we used to eat in restaurants? Yeah, it's it is <laughs> genuinely so bizarre that I mean, we're in Los Angeles. We don't eat yeah. in restaurants anymore. It's crazy. And one, one of the interesting things in terms of quality of life. Yeah. And there are a lot of things about living in a city like Hollywood that are not um, the upsides. Yeah. You, you don't get space. You don't get privacy. You don't get quiet. No. There's, you know, living in the country or living in the open has so many great advantages. The great advantage of living in the city is convenience. You've got your coffee shops everywhere. You've got restaurants everywhere. You've got shops and stores everywhere. You have entertainment everywhere. It's so funny that you say convenience because that is the <laughs> last word I would use to describe Los Angeles. That's, well, hey, I'm such major a city, cities are not convenient. I know, I'm at such all. a city guy. I just, I'm just, yeah. I'm just thinking that it's access to this no, it's, it's, world. And no, I think it's access. It's, it's, it's intense. It's, it's fast. It's, it, um, but but it's, you love the energy. You love the people that you can meet. You love the, the the food you can eat. The coffee mm -hmm. you can drink. You love the you love the environment. And it's all gone. It's all gone. It feels kind of. It's felt like a ghost town. It it, it feels a bit different now, but we'll get there. Yeah, so then you have all of the downsides that you choose to live in a city, and then the upsides that you choose to live in a city for. Especially you, you live downtown. Live downtown, which is, which if we wanna go there, we can go there. So, <laughs> so, so, COVID, so COVID happens, quarantine happens. Mm -hmm. It didn't really feel real. It felt a little bizarre. I think we all kind of thought it would it would be okay. We're gonna. It's gonna be two weeks. Okay, it's gonna be a month. Okay, it's gonna be six weeks. And then mm -hmm. it was, 
thing after thing after thing. And maybe about 10 of us decided to kind of quarantine together, do work, and and not in the same place, but like agree to see each other, not see a lot of other people. So we like, we're doing Sunday messages every week. We're doing all this content. Shout out to all of our team that has been incredible doing production and doing design and all these things. And then we get to, what is it? I even moved units in my building because it, my building was like, I guess the my next door neighbor decided to open a studio in his building. So I was just hearing, we're at music like nonstop all day, every day till like four in the morning. I move units, I go across the street and one of my good friends lives next to me. And so I move a little bit further, but I'm in the same building, but across the street and all of a sudden everything happens with, 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 um, with the National Guard coming into LA. The National Guard was outside your door. Like outside, like, like not even joking, because I, cause I, like outside my, my door was the National Guard with the Humvees and the 50 cows on the top and, and just the whole thing. And, and I guess our street was kind of like the barricade that they weren't going to let the protests go further beyond and they were going to loop them back around the city. And, and it was the first couple of nights where, I, mean, I remember calling you being, being, you know, maybe I should go home or I should stay here or, you know. What, what do we do? This is, this is, there's a lot going on. Yeah. And so, you know, we get to the death of George, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and all of these um, black lives that were lost. And we're being uncovered even more and more and more stories since then of atrocities mm-hmm. and brutal murders and police brutality and just, just systemic racism at, at its core, Ahmaud Arbery. And I think that was... Armand Arbery was the one that I think, for me, just, I mean, it, I mean, it always makes me sick, but I think that was the one watching that unfold and seeing the senseless violence and the crime and the, like, such pointed assault was just so heartbreaking to watch. And then you had George Floyd, and then you heard about Breonna Taylor, and then you obviously remember Trayvon Martin, and you have all these, I think, Elijah, uh, I can't remember his last name, mm-hmm. the young man who had a disability, and then you just you hear all these people and then you, and then I'm in downtown watching, and you're where you are in near closer to Hollywood, watching just two protests happen, pretty much like nonstop for two or three weeks. And 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 what was what's your? I mean, I don't know where to start, but it's it's. I think when people ask like, why are we in a bad already? I'm like we're living, we're, we haven't finished. <laughs> like I think we're we've, we've been in the middle of it, and we've talked about doing it, and I was like, I I want to wait, I want to process it and figure it out and, and I don't know if I have but I processed it more than I had then you know well even the name of our podcast battle ready I think the last five months have been pretty revealing that every day is going to be a battle for people yeah and that we're fighting battles all around us all the time and sometimes they're they're the big battles of social justice or the big battles of fighting a pandemic and a virus sometimes they're the very personal battles of of depression and mental health, and uh, sometimes are deeply personal battles of your own racism or um, you know, you know, your own biases. And, and, and the reality is that we will always have these macrocosms of, of um, conflict and crisis that reflect the microcosm of the stuff that's happening on inside of us. And what happens when things are unchecked in the human spirit, when they're unchecked in the human heart, they um, reproduce themselves into a culture, into a world. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times we don't see what's going on into our hearts, in our hearts, until we see it played out in the backdrop 
of, of history. Um, but for most people, you know, they're not really trying to figure out how to solve all the world's problems. They're just trying to figure out how to make it through a pandemic. They're trying to figure out how to recover from losing their job. They're trying you know, try to figure out what they're going to do when um, they finally have to pay rent, even though everything's been put on hold right now. And I think that um, that we're we're starting up again in, in this podcast at just the right time because the overwhelming sense of isolation, of disconnection, of uncertainty, of fear uh, that people are grappling with right now is really overwhelming. Mm. And I, I think I was seeing this week that um, the unemployment rate in LA is 19.5%, uh, around 20%. Uh, unemployment rate in New York is around 20%. Unemployment rate in, I think, um, Las Vegas is 25%, that across the nation, 20 to 25% of Americans have lost their jobs. And that means that one out of every five adults is unemployed. Even if you remove the pandemic, and obviously the unemployment's directly connected to the quarantine. Uh, there's no way around that. Um, but it doesn't matter what's caused it. It's our next great crisis. Mm. And we haven't even made it through the crisis of of a pandemic, of yeah. dealing with this virus. And, and we, we, sometimes we act like they're not, they're all the same thing, but they're not. The pandemic is one crisis people are having to face, but the quarantine and the response to the pandemic is another crisis in and of itself mm -hmm. that we're having to deal with as a society. And then the issues of social um, injustice and unrest and inequity, that's another crisis we're facing. And then unemployment and economic instability is another crisis we're gonna be facing. And we haven't even gotten to the fifth crisis of the massive destructive impact of all of this on the mental health of a generation mm. and how it's gonna impact not, not just people in your age, because I think your generation is really struggling um, emotionally relationally, spiritually in the middle of this, but we're gonna see the implications of this in the lives of four and five-year-olds, seven and eight-year-olds, 10 and 11-year-olds, who are constantly being told, if you get close to your friends, you're gonna die. If you uh, get- You'll kill your grandma. If you get close to your friends, like you're, it's, gonna, it's you're, not, you're gonna be responsible for the death of your grandparents. That psychological narrative is gonna be so destructive and it's, we're not gonna see it play out until five, 10, 15 years from now. And, and so we're gonna be dealing with the implications and the ramifications of this for at least another generation. Yeah. We're gonna have an entire society struggling with PTSD. It's if we, if we uh, I know that we've talked about oh, this comparison or anxiety or depression or things that we struggle with as a generation, things that I've struggled with, things like self-worth and self-respect and identity and, and, and it, it feels like it has culminated into this tornado of mental health deconstruction and disaster where if, if you know, we, we, we talked about this, we talked about this a lot, like my mental health has struggled so much in this and I've had a job, I've worked really hard, I've, I've, I have friends, I have people I've seen, I have you know, we, 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 we never took it lightly, but we also took it, we take everything with a grain of salt. Like this is the end, this is the end for us. And, and we're gonna live a beautiful life until we die. And then when we die, it's like, it's not, a, it's not a sad thing. It's a beautiful thing. We've got to live life beautifully in order to like die beautifully. But, and trying to not be responsible with that as well. But at the same time, there is so much misinformation. 
it's so, I remember calling you in the beginning going like, what is happening? <laughs> I got Governor Cuomo, I've got, you know, you've got, you know, you've got, um, Dr. Fauci. Doctor, I, I don't want to say, I don't, I don't, not like super fond of all the people I'm, I'm like, you know, you've got, you know, the president, you, people, people I'm not the most fond of. Whereas before I was more like open to the idea that everyone can just be kind of messed up and still figure it out. But I've never been more in my, in my life just wanting to, why, how did things get this bad? So going from mental health to politics, misinformation, meaning that like, I think so much of my mental health was like turning on the TV, watching, being like, okay, what is actually going on? The numbers are insane. They're saying a million people are gonna die. We have to do this to save the world. We have to be a hero by doing nothing. And then they didn't have the numbers to actually back it up, the more that we're actually getting there. And, and so many people were gonna disagree with this. And that's where I'm, I'm hoping for a little bit of grace. But I think the more I do research, I'm going, it's a point zero 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 four percent chance of the death rate is 0.0004 of our overall population and why and how it is still a higher risk for us in a major city because you're closer in a more more compact space with more people that that the chance of getting it may be higher but the chance of actually dying is still drastically lower for someone who's young mm -hmm. and and without a, a predisposed condition and so an at-risk person it becomes this like mental challenge of what to believe, what to understand, how to understand what facts are actually the facts. When people shame people saying, you must not, you must not believe in, in science. I'm like, what do you mean? Is, it, is science absolute? Because the numbers and the data have not been absolute and they haven't been thoroughly checked and they talk about this vac vaccine that hasn't been tested and like there's so many rabbit trails of all of these things that are going on in our world and it feels like it's just coming at us like you know when you uh, this is a horrible um parallel but you know like when you turn the shower on too too hard and you just, you just get like hit in the face and it's hot and it's it's powerful and you're like what did i do like and your eyes are burning you might have gotten soap in the, and you're like what that's what this entire 2020 has felt like, like i turned <laughs> the pressure on the shower far too high and i've just got blasted in the face and how do I figure this out? And how do I understand it? And how do I get the soap out of my eyes? There's so much to unravel with that said, right? There is a lot going on and I can't even imagine how your generation is trying to process all of this. Your generation didn't seem like care at all. No offense. Well, I mean, I'm about to turn 62 and um, I'm, I guess I'm in that vulnerable category. You're 62, you're a cancer survivor. You I have a history of respiratory um, <laughs> I grew up with you disease. having pneumonia, bronchitis, laryngitis, I strep have, throat. Yeah, I've been hospital, hospitalized many times due to um, lung infections. And so I know that I'm in that highly vulnerable group. Yeah. And, and frankly, like when I look at it from my perspective, I, I would have never chosen to paralyze an entire generation to ensure that my generation would survive. Yeah. But that's just me. I'm not even talking about the larger philosophy. I'm just saying that um, I've, one, I've just not been a person who's been afraid of death. No. And I, 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 the way I look at it is we've been quarantined for five months. So what I know is you've stolen five months of my life the way I want to live it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so I don't know how much of my life you're saving, but I do know that right now uh, you're taking away a lot of our lives for this period of time. Yeah. And I understand being responsible and I understand taking care of people. And we've been so careful as a congregation and, you know. Yeah, we're and, not meeting as a church. We're not meeting. We're making sure everyone is 
uh, being responsible. And I've had so much pressure from people going, why aren't you meeting? Why aren't you meeting? And, and, and my statement is really simple. We are here uh, to be a bridge between humanity and Jesus. And we're not going to do something that pushes people away from the message of Jesus. We're not going to meet together just to uh, say, to be defiant and say, we can meet because we're the church and we're not going to let anybody tell us what to do. Uh, we're going to uh, do whatever is necessary to be a loving, compassionate, responsible uh, citizen so that we can have a voice, not just in the middle of this, but when this is all over. I'm just talking on a personal level and that um, I, I never think the best decisions are made when you're afraid of dying. I think the best decisions are made when you're committed to living. And, and I think it's a different mindset as we go through. And I think history will prove that over time. I, I know it's not popular what I'm saying, but I think no, I, no, no, no. You know, I, I want to back it. Actually, I want to talk a bit more about it. Um, no, no, I, I, I just taking a breath because I want to, I want to receive and actually hear and like process the things you're saying, but I also want to take note of it because I think you know I ran into a friend the other day at at a coffee shop and like we had been texting about like let's grab a coffee. Um, her and her boyfriend's um, business is like right next across the street from where I get coffee, and I was like off. Oh, we were like let's say hi, and, and she was like yeah, we'll be there. We might be there. Our morning I was like, oh, I'll be there at eight. You're like, oh, I can't be there at nine. So I ended up being late, got there like 8.30 or 8.35 or something. And, and we ran into each other and we both had masks on. I had a hat on, I had sunglasses. So I, I understand it was like hard to see me maybe, but it was, I was like, hey, it's Aaron. And, and I like, she looked like I was going to rob her. She was mortified. She was so scared. And our, and I, you know, and like it's, I try to keep with my friends and, and, and and check in and just see how people are doing. And, and you know, they were one of those people that were maybe a bit more cautious, a bit more nervous, and and trying to be respectful of, of all the rules. And the, the and 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 it was so tough for me because I felt so bad, but I also felt so um, frustrated. Like, what this this is the product of this. We are going to be so afraid of each other that we'll be unwilling to help each other in times of crisis because. You know, if, if people are really afraid of breathing on each other, imagine how afraid they're going to be to hug again. In cultures where like physical touch is such an important thing. Like I could not imagine being in Italy going like, or, in, or even in Mexico City where people kiss, everyone kisses to say hello, to say that you can't actually do anything like that, or that a mask is absurd. And then to think you, you have, you know, like there is a black hole, a rabbit hole of conspiracy theories. And I wouldn't say I'm a conspiracy theorist, <laughs> but, but I dabble, yeah. but I, da no, 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 don't stop me. Don't stop me on my, uh, uh, no, no, no. Okay. There's okay. Bad already. This is going to be the, uh, the asterisk version. You know how they say that's yeah, not, no, this is not the asterisk. NBAC. This is not the asterisk. This is going to be the asterisk, uh, version of conspiracy theory. And we're going to go ahead and just go there and we don't have to just, no no we don't have go to go there okay. we don't have to go yeah we don't have to we're, we're not saying we're giving you the facts we're just we're just giving us our i think yeah 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 i think that's i think that's that's like a good like a precursor a precursor like caution um what would you call it like a beware um we don't try this at home do not try this at home um don't judge us for like hat for thinking these things but i also think with with all of the news there's all of the internet Yes. And if there's anything that challenges the news, it's the internet. Mm -hmm. And when you get like video, I wasn't even going to go here, but we decided to talk about conspiracies. No, I, I think, I think there's just this idea, this concept, like there was a Dr. Fauci video mm -hmm. 
middle of March where he said, you don't need to wear a mask, mask. Like the only things that will actually help you are like highly high grade medical masks, the N whatever it is, the N58 or thing, medical mask. And he's like, cloth masks don't do anything. And I, and now, and you see now it's everyone needs to wear masks, whether you're inside or outside, you can't be inside. But what is the difference between being inside and outside other than the fact that maybe there's less air circulation? It just, none of it actually, none of it aligns, none of it makes sense, none of it's consistent. And I get like adjusting and understanding, but it's not like they're saying like, hey, we were wrong. But just even when um, we talk about being six feet apart, but I also saw experts, I think from the CDC say, well, really there's no difference between two feet and six feet. None. And, and I, I think this is part of the challenge is that we're in the middle of a time right now that there is deteriorating trust. Deteriorating trust in information, in, um, in um, not science, but scientists. Because one of the phrases that has really struck me, it was two phrases that have made me nervous. One is when they said, trust the science, trust the science, trust the science. As if science was an independent voice that's speaking, and it's like Oz, science doesn't speak science is silent only scientists speak and scientists are humans and they're imperfect and uh they change their minds and i feel like right now we're treating scientists the way you used to treat priests the way they used to treat oracles yes that the moment a scientist says it it's supposed to be the truth but they're just grappling with understanding science and we should give them we should give them grace because um, they're trying to understand the science the best they can. Yeah, it isn't this it isn't this thing where we should go out and judge the science, but it's the irony of the science. And we make this joke about being like the science, or even, I mean, we make fun of Christians who go, well, God said this to me. It's exactly the God, same God thing. God told me to break up with you. Yeah. Like, God didn't tell you that. God <laughs> maybe have like turned your heart in a different direction, but like he didn't verbally tell you to break up with me. No. I don't think. Did he also say, tell, tell, did, did he also tell you to start dating that guy before you broke up? I, that's that's always the irony, like that, and that. that is. <laughs> no, I actually thought the same you thing. You know what I'm saying? When, when I heard yes. people saying you need to trust the science, trust the science, I started hearing people go, "The Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it." And I started going, "Oh my gosh, I feel like this is the the secular mindset adopting the dogmatism." Of religion. Of religion. It's fascinating. And it's a little terrifying to me because um, I want to evaluate the science. I want to examine the science. I want to try to understand the science and understand that scientists are fallible. They're human. They're going to get more information, new data, and they can be completely wrong. And then the other one is the phrase uh, education, education, education. And if you listen carefully, education starts sounding a lot like compliance and conformity that you'll start obeying once we educate you enough and having studied a lot of political history i start getting nervous because and you're talking to like the statement of educate yourselves on this on no even when reporters would talk to like mayors or governors i don't want right. to be super specific but i live in california and and our mayor's garcetti and our governor's newsom and uh and they would say to them well how are you going to get people on the beaches to comply how are you going to get uh, people you know, who are having yeah. ragers to comply. And he goes, yeah. the key is education, education, education. Once they're educated, they will comply. And, and to help enforce education, we will find them. And to help enforce education, we will... Um, and which which is interesting because... Oh, no, keep going, here. No, you're, you're on a roll. You're no, on a just, I'll just it, the I'll two things. It. When you talk about science and education, we have to be careful because those two things can actually become psychological tools that say, if you don't agree with me, it's because you're too stupid.
or uneducated. And so we're no longer allowed to have divergent thoughts. Hmm. And, um, and um, you know, I think I sent you, I forwarded you this conversation between um, this guy who believes in a flat earth and scientists who um, <laughs> believe what's real. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's like a sphere. big NDA thing. Yeah, that yeah. Is, it just, yeah, yeah. And so I, I get it that um, there's science that um, has been proven has to be been true. Proven to be true. Yes. And uh, and if you are listening and you believe in a flat Earth, I want to say that um, you should believe the science. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. But but we also know that that whenever we're in a new reality, and this pandemic is a new reality that there are no experts. Everyone is an, a novice. What does it take to become and, an expert? Like what, what would be like, okay, we can't see every, anyone as, so they would say um, epidemi epidemiologists? I can't even say that. Like, the, like people who study um, epidemics yeah. and pathogens and yeah. viruses, w would they be considered experts? They're, they're, they're more, they have more expertise than me. But they wouldn't be experts in necessarily COVID-19 but because it's new, they don't, they don't have an expertise in this, but they can bring their expertise to this problem. And then they have to evaluate the data, the information, and they're gonna get a lot of it wrong at first. Or they might get it right, but you might get it right by accident. Hmm. And, and that's the crazy thing as we've been kind of watching all this is, is trying to evaluate the science, but I don't even think it's that. I think that the reality is that we feel powerless because whether we trust the science or not, we're not getting to choose. And no, it's being chosen for us. And it is the, the ironic thing of, 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 you know, I've grown up in LA, uh, in it or around it. And so, you know, Mosaic would be seen as so much more um, um, left than right. And even though we stay pretty apolitical, everyone has personal beliefs, but not necessarily, we don't, we don't, we don't make decisions that, like from the, you've always made it that, that, that Mosaic is like a non-political organization. But 90% of the people who would be mad at us would be people on the right. People on the right saying we're not, we're too left. And then, and then I'm like, yo, but like, I'm kind of pretty right. Like sometimes like, oh, we, you know, we agree with both sides to some degree in, in certain areas. Um, but, I, but like one of the, the big things is I'm like, we live in a, in a country that we're supposed to be free. And, and obviously I understand that there's so many more people in different countries that are far less free than us, but it, it is, it, it, I do question my freedom when I'm told I'm not allowed to go outside and that I'm going to be fined. I can't go into the ocean because I'm going to be fined. I can't go here, 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 here. I can't talk to my people because I'm going to kill somebody. And it is this, like this, um, I was talking to you about it. I'm like, it, it, I know that we can leave. And that's the irony. Everyone's saying, stay inside, stay inside, stay inside. But now people are everywhere. People going out, people going to dinner, people having drinks, people having coffees. You, you can't hang inside, but they're, they're, they're putting people in parking lots. And, and that's like, what is the difference between that? Like you have 200 people in a, in a, in a restaurant parking lot. <laughs> Well, being but outdoors is supposed to be better than being indoors but because then they, you don't but, contain the virus. But then they kicked everyone off the beach. So it's like, so, so this is right. a great and, example. And I've heard so many people who are scientists say that the beaches are really safe. Yeah, so that is, but it's a great and, example, right? Yeah. The, the, the June, in June, they said they basically banned beaches, couldn't surf for like most of the quarantine in the beginning. Um, in March, March, uh, March, April, May. Wow, it's been so many months. Now, I don't understand how surfing could be dangerous. I, I don't understand because it's the greatest sport because you can be with people <laughs> but not with people. Now, you can be by yourself. And frankly, when I go, when I hear uh, you're allowed to golf but you can't surf, I go, is it because Trump golfs 
and doesn't serve. <laughs> I mean, or, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, isn't that all white men golf and, and, they, and, and, <laughs> and they don't and, serve? Yeah. But it is a very interesting. It is. I you get nervous when you say things like that because because it's so true. It's it's so true. And 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 white people who who love Trump will will always be offended by us. And 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 but I would I think when people get to know us personally, they would be far more um, surprised in our beliefs and our openness to always try to seek like an understanding of people that even that we consider different than us or politically the opposite or even just morally the opposite. Yeah, I think what the difference is that um, even when I would disagree with President Trump, I would always want him to succeed. Like, yes. I think there are a lot of people who desperately want him to make every wrong decision, who really want him to fail, yeah. who, who revel in uh, whatever his incompetence or whatever. And I'm like, I always I, want to pick the winner. And, I, and I'm like, I want him to succeed. I want him to make the right choices. I don't care if he changes his mind. Why chastise him for changing his mind? Celebrate that he changed his mind when he yeah. gets it right. And That's the irony, right? Like we have such a shame culture and such a culture of, of distrust, but not only distrust, we, hold, we, we, we crucify more people than the Romans ever did. That's the, well, not literally, but. No, but, 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 but culturally and politically, we are brutal to the people we don't dis- we don't we don't agree with. That's actually something we should talk about. We should yeah. talk about we should talk about shame culture. Shame like. culture. But I want to go back. Just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, since we've well, gone wait, there, here. Was one, there was one more thing. Okay. All the ev- evangelical preachers posting things on Instagram saying vote your faith. Because I think it's I think it's important. <laughs> no, no, because no, because this this is why this is why because 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 one of the are people are we gonna have any audience left when this podcast no, no, we is will, over? No, we will we will we will we will they will they we will we will no. But the reason I want to talk about it is because we have one particular person, but we've also like really loved that person. Mm-hmm. And we really do love that person. And our families all love each other. But it's but it's it's complicated when things are so polarizing. Like I don't agree with that statement. He basically someone posted a post and it was about like California politics and the governor saying churches can't meet and then churches can't worship. Right. Because it's a it's it's Right. So a pastor forwarded me that post because he was in favor of it and he thought I would be in favor of it. Totally. And when he sent it to me, I just- Which ironically, we, we weren't like against it. We were against, we, we weren't, we weren't, we weren't not, the thing that made us feel uncomfortable was that statement at the end. Well, no, first of all, I think that he should be allowed to say whatever he thinks is right. A hundred percent. And what that, happened to our culture? Look, yes. I completely we're, we're disagreed not, yeah. with the sentiment of what he was communicating. But also, but I completely agree with his right to say it. Yes, and but that's also part of this conversation, right? We 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 can disagree with what he said yeah. without not loving his with, 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 while still loving his family. Loving him. Going, he's super different than us, but it, like that's also why and, we are connected to him. And it's, not impugning on him evil. Yes. Y- like, you know, but going, no, here's a good person who just sees the world differently than I do. And I completely see it differently. But And he's I, not a bad person by any means. But there are still very bad people who see the world differently, but you still have to find a human yeah. way to love them. And, and then some of our young guys, you know, went on his... Just berated uh, On his thing and started attacking him and... And I told him, hey, this is, this is not how you make the world better. And, and so suddenly- and I, I, just, so it's, it's just so it's super clear too. I got on the phone with those guys and ripped them. Yeah, for, because we're in a culture right now where um, you think freedom of speech is attacking other people on their platforms. No, freedom of speech is speaking your mind on your platform. Yes. Freedom of speech is not you flooding someone else's platform and being a troll or a hater. 
and it's actually using your voice to communicate your beliefs and your truths. And, and we're, it seems like we're picking up something that's, that's um, we're picking up the tall poppy syndrome. Yeah. But the reason why people are trying to chop him down or cut the tall poppy is because he has more uh, of a following than they do. Yeah. So it's this comparison culture of like, if, so if, if we're not individually as big as you, we're going to collectively destroy you to cut you down. Yeah, so when the statement is made, vote your faith, it, it was clearly in the context of, if you're voting your faith, you're voting Republican. Right. And there's so many people who will vote their faith who will vote Democrat. And right. And I think like somehow, Arkansas. I, I just think that that shallow this whole state assumes people. that everyone sees the world the same way and has to respond the same way. And you don't believe that. What? <laughs> no, I don't, because I don't see this, the world the same way every two minutes. You know, I'm constantly learning and trying to grow and adjust. But can I, since we've gone down every single rabbit hole, all right, so this is what my 60-plus-year-old mind says about this moment. I am going to accept sincerity on every point. I believe there's a global pandemic called COVID-19 that is life-threatening, it's a killer, and there are people who are vulnerable, they're gonna lose their lives, and we need to do everything we can to protect them. And I'm working from that assumption. Let and, me know when I can add something. Okay. <laughs> and I believe that it's been hijacked by politicians and mass media to create a fear culture, and a culture where we destroy our own economy, where we destroy our viewpoint of our, or the, our view of ourselves, and the way that we interact culturally with each other. And, and I... Would you agree or disagree with that statement? I completely agree. Let me get there a different way. Okay. Yeah, I, I just say things. I don't we we have a real there. pandemic <laughs> that's, that's not fabricated. No, it's no, no, no. not a conspiracy. It's, we, were, we were both sick in the beginning of this year and I actually went to a doctor and he said, you probably have this thing called COVID-19 mm -hmm. that's happening. And he goes, and he was 65 years old. He shook my hand. He's like, I'm more in danger than you are. Be careful. Like, spend, spend a week in your house. But keep going. Yes, and I, and I and had a... You a, had a respiratory thing that happened I had in a lung, I had a lung collapsing moment where, where I was in a hospital. And we thought, <laughs> we were in the mountains and we were like, it's high altitude. But we thought maybe yeah. like you were not going to be okay. Yeah. So moving past With that. With that. Okay. Yeah. So I, I... So it's real. Yes. And I want to protect everyone we can. And oh, always though, yeah, like so, not just so, now. So let's work from this. Real pandemic, COVID-19 is real. Right. It's life-threatening. It needs to be dealt with. Okay. We are an empathetic, caring, compassionate, responsible society, and we should care for everyone, uh, the elderly, the vulnerable, um, whoever it is. We need to have a national strategy. What, didn't, what I didn't understand was why wasn't our national strategy to shut down everyone, even if it affects me, who's 60 and up, and isolate us. And uh, we've just put trillions of dollars into an economy we've stopped completely. Why didn't we put those trillions of dollars into caring for all the seniors and all the vulnerable across society saying, you don't have to come to work, you can stay home, we're gonna pay your bills, we're gonna take care of you, uh, we're gonna pay your mortgages or your rent and bring you food. We're gonna create a national care system until we have this entire virus under control. We could keep our economy fluid. We could, we had, the, we had the most vibrant economy in modern history. 
the day before we shut down the, the economy. Mm. And, and whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, you should actually want that for our nation. Mm. And um, we had the most vibrant economy by every measure. And then we shut it down and have destroyed our economy. Now we're going, they're calling it a, a great recession or a great depression, but those recessions and depressions were not self-inflicted. This is a deconstruction of our own economy. It, it is. And, and so I, I felt like there is a strategy and it should be aggressive and it should be um, enforced. Even, and, but I think it should have been the other way around. We shut down everyone who, and, and, and you're a, whether asymptomatic symptomatic or symptomatic or, or whether you'll get um, COVID to some degree of severity, it seems to me that our better strategy would have been to protect everyone who's vulnerable yeah. and keep the economy going. Now, maybe it's because I just don't know enough and, and I get that, but I'm just saying as a citizen and as a person who's observing things, those are some of the questions that I ask. And because and, in my mind, I'm going, okay, we've just had the second and the third wave. They began by telling us, hey, we're just gonna flatten the curve. And then it wasn't that. No, no, now we need to make sure that we uh, wait till we have a, a, a vaccine. It, it felt like there were thematic keywords that triggered fear and triggered a social responsibility without backing it with evidence. Right, but we're not allowed to talk because, about this. Right, because cause, cause the idea of flatten the curve, what was it initially six, was it six weeks? The first, the first flatten the curve was six Three weeks. Three to six weeks. I think Three to six weeks. No one came out and said it didn't work. Right, like, and, 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 and they, they just, they kept, it was like immediately went, it went from, from, like this thing was supposed to work and it didn't work. And then I remember I actually was watching Como until I shut off my cable because I literally just wanted it all to stop. Um, but he, he said, he goes, we don't understand New York. I'm very proud of New Yorkers. And he goes, and now these kids are getting it inside their apartments when no one's leaving. And so it was like this whole thing that was uncovering going like we actually have no idea. But instead of that going into mass media, going, we really have no idea, we're just trying to do our best. It's, you have to do this now. You have to do this now. You have to flatten the curve. Keep flattening the curve. Yeah. Well, I think what's happened now is we're so paralyzed by fear. And um, I, I mean, I was watching, uh, I watch every news channel and um, I, I probably overdose too much on information. I research directly the CDC's website. I, I don't try to look at secondary sources. I try to look at primary sources. And, 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 and so when I, I look at some of the research, I go, over 99% of the transmissions are adult to adult. They're not child to adult. And there's almost no chance for a teacher to get COVID from a student. And, and so I look at it like, okay, we're trying to figure out our whole educational system. Um, because what we're gonna have to figure out is what if it takes five years to find a cure? What if it takes three to five years to have a vaccine that actually works? Are we going to shut down our society for the next two to five years? I think people are traumatized by these questions. I don't think we're allowed to ask them because if you ask the question, you're not educated and or you don't trust the science. And I'm saying I trust the science. I'm trying to understand the science and I'm fairly educated. Very few people would say I'm an uneducated person and uh, I'm not an extremist. I try to be really thoughtful and I feel like a lot of my questions remain unanswered because I feel like the COVID and the quarantine have been politicized and now it's incredibly difficult for us to move forward in a, in a meaningful way. It will be interesting to see, and I think we've gone down this, and I think this is a good conversation to have because I think a lot of people are feeling this inside. 
and and luckily like I have I have people to debate this on a regular <laughs> basis like Brian and 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 have this conversation. Brian's one of the guys on our team and 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 we can like disagree and and get into it with each other and laugh at the end and, and we're always sending each other stuff and and I do I I think it's this ability to process. How do we process? How do we process out loud? How do we understand science? But also, how do we trust the science and understand what we need to trust? Because I'm like, okay, I, I, I trust the Bible. I love the Bible. But, you know, it, it's different. It's different. And it's, it's a faith. That's a faith thing. And I need to have faith that, you know, we can trust what's around us. But it does feel like a moment in time where freedoms are being taken away. And I, you know, I, the, the, my thing with the, 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 the just going back to the, the, the post that, that our friend posted, and I say our friend because, you know what? I have friends I really disagree with. Yeah, and I, and I want to call him a friend because I look. I've looked up to him in so many other ways. Yeah. I don't want to take your thought, but I had lunch yesterday, open restaurant. It yeah, was outside. completely, completely yeah. legal. Completely and, uh, legal. Bo- illegal lunches. <laughs> Both of them were. Inc- hey, that's the title of this podcast. Incredibly successful with their wives. Polar opposites, there, right? And one was like everybody should be wearing not just masks but surgical <laughs> gloves. And hazmat suits, uh, hazmat suits. I mean, the whole thing, scuba and, diving, you know, air hug kind of thing. Yeah, the other really successful businessman. This is absurd. The masks are stupid. We're, we're, they're taking out our away, are taking away our rights. This is a, a conspiracy. I'm going, and and we're all friends, right? Ivy, both Ivy Leaguers. Oh, yeah, both, both intellectuals. Yes. So uh, they're, they, they're both educated. Yes. All right, so the education didn't work. <laughs> well, it just didn't create a systematic like, belief system. And they're both people of science mm. and, uh, and incredibly opinionated. I'm sitting here with both of them. And of faith, both of faith and And science, they both yeah. are people of faith, right? Yeah. And, and so you'd think they would be the same, yeah. but they're not. And, and I think the reality is maybe this is why we're doing this podcast. I think we need to be able to feel free to at least talk about this. And even if we disagree with each other, like even if we're extremes from, you know, you should wear a mask in your house. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, to, yeah. Dwight Howard yeah, to, getting in trouble yeah. in the NBA bubble for not wearing a mask in his room. Yeah, and <laughs> to the other extreme of I'm never gonna wear a mask, but, um, and, and I wanna say this, I'm gonna be, the, I'm gonna put on my pastor hat for a moment. Um, I do not agree. He's never said that. I just have to laugh a little bit. I'm sorry. sorry. I, you know, I, I think I'm doing that because I've, I've had so many Christians and pastors, you know, reach out to me going, where's your moral courage? Yeah, where's your faith courage? Where's, where's your, your faith? biblical back? Why aren't you yeah. demanding the church worship? Why aren't you going against the government? Why are you allowing religious persecution to happen? And I'm going to be really clear. I do not believe we're being persecuted. And uh, I think there are Christians around the world that are being persecuted, and we're not one of them right now. No. I, this isn't. This is a religious inconvenience. Yeah, and and even in that, it's not isolated to us. Um, you, you know, Starbucks is going through the same thing, and uh, wow. and you know, Nordstrom is going through the same thing. Yeah, I mean, there's so many businesses that are that are being. I mean, this is the interesting thing, yeah. though, is like so much of the big business. We can get into that, but yeah. but no, this is affecting everyone. This is affecting venues, Live Nation. This is affecting. Yeah, I don't. You know, I don't believe anyone sitting in a government office going, "Let's use this moment to destroy the church." No, no, no. But I do think. But yeah, and yeah, we're being yeah. affected yeah. by it. And, 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 and by, of course, we'd be affected. But I would, and I hate the fact that they call us non-essential because you see, that's, we're, we're going to have that's a huge misstep. And that's a, that's the conversation we should have. Is that um, I think people who do not understand the complexity of the human nature think that the church is non-essential. All of the research shows 
Yeah, that 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 you, your 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 mental stability, your mental health, your your soul's health, whether you believe in a soul or not, that, that that thing that you can't explain, that your interior core from from apps like Headspace and Calm, yeah. that are people who are, are spending so much time on. I you know like we were talking about meditation and so on. We did a whole McManus show about it, but this idea that you need to it's not enough to be physically healthy. You actually need to be mentally and in your soul healthy to process these things. I I. Yeah, the, the spiritual, emotional, psychological, relational health of our society is intimately uh, interwoven into its um, religious um, experience. And a person's spirituality is the core strength of the human um, spirit. Mm. And to, under, to think that the church is not essential doesn't understand how humans are designed. And people are going to need the church more than ever before. And, and so I, I, and each I, other, and each other, but, and, and that's why I don't want to fight for our right to gather. Yeah. I mean, the church is more resilient than that. I think, and I, yeah, I, I think that we need to fight for humanity's need to be cared for by the church in a way that no one else is going to care for them. Yeah. I think I was having this conversation with someone who goes to one of these guys, of these amazing pastors, but very different than ours, um, and and sent me like one of their videos and and or one of their posts. And what do you think about this? And 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 my initial thought was, well, they haven't turned like they haven't turned MSC or Hillsong or Bethel or Vu or any of these worship. They haven't turned worship off of Spotify or Apple. Like I don't. Even then, like I still have songs in my heart and in my head. It's not going to sound the same, but it's. And like they didn't take worship from us. It's just a, it's a it's it's unfor it's unfortunate the situation that we're in and the times that we're in. But I I and I don't want people to think like I think it's my reconciliation going. I think initially I was I agreed with so much of that post, being like I don't believe the governor of any state should be able to say that churches can't worship the same way that I don't think they should be able to say um, people can't go to a basketball game. Yeah, you know what I mean. But and I think the fact that we're treating this like it's a bomb is, is, is very detrimental to I think the future of, of how we handle things because will we do this every time that there's anything unknown that comes into our world. It's, it's our inability to not evolve, but to um, adapt in times of crisis that makes me really nervous. Yeah. But, but as we were talking about like the history of these things, it always feels like there has been something, whether it was like Russia and the Cold War, where kids having to hide underneath their desk and doing these drills, where I was in school in California. Where I used to have to hide under the desk as a kid. It always. Because the Russians were going to blow us up. And, and now you look back at it, and we, like, we have so, with social media and, and just mass media, and, and just maybe knowing a few more Russians, understanding that like, that was pr probably maybe never going to ever happen. That was all in our minds. And, and I think we have to be really afraid of, of, of you know, we, 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 what is that saying that we say, like, fear isn't real, danger is real. Yeah. But fear is um, crippling. And so whether it's real or not, it is interesting that something that, that can be falsified and projected and received um, can, can um, create such a crippling effect on our being and our spirit and our mind and our heart our physical ability I know that I'm nervous and I don't know why and and nervous about things that I I don't actually like I don't think we need to wear masks but I still do out of respect because I want to respect people I respect the world and respect people and if 
by any means wearing a mask saves something, then I'm fully okay being inconvenienced for a moment. But I know I don't like really want to go out to eat because part of it is the experience and the joy. And, and there is this level of fear of going like, I don't want to interact with a waiter or a barista who has to sit behind a plastic plexi screen to like interact with me. And it is, this, it isn't, in, it, it, this is where it feels spiritual to me. It feels like we've gotten to a place where um, we are in spiritual warfare and it looks like political warfare and it looks like a, a pandemic and it looks like an economic um, um, deterioration, deconstruction, but, it, but we're in a moment of spiritual warfare and it's why no one can get along. It's why there is this um, identity crisis and identi misidentification of like, we always have to be identified with something and the other person who's identified with something else is our enemy. And, and, and we have lost this ability to process, to understand, to know what's really, really is to be afraid of and also like how to be bold and courageous in moments. And I, we talk about the heroic narrative, you do a lot. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what the narrative of this generation is because a heroic narrative is to right now is to wear a mask and stay at home. And I just can't believe that's the heroic narrative of our generation. And, and it, I think we lack maybe a tangible and functional purpose, you know, and, and someone called me before we started this and said, I want to introduce you to my friend who doesn't know Jesus. Can I just text you guys? Mm. And, and it made me sad that it's a thought I haven't had in a long time. Because I haven't been able to even get my friends who know Jesus, a lot of them, to hang out. So then to get people who, who would maybe base their worldview more on science, even more on science, it's hard. It's, just, it's a hard thing to, to invade their privacy and their security, let alone, you know, of course it's like, hey, I'm praying for you, or hey, I'm there for you, or like, you know, you can, you can call me whenever. But this idea that meeting new people is so foreign right now. Yeah. Yeah, you know, one of the things that strikes me is that um, there's so much going through my mind and I'm... We could talk about this for a, a very I'm, long time. Yeah, and even still, I'm still trying to be filtered in my thoughts and, <laughs> and uh, you, you know, I, yeah. I think the average, you know, age of fatality for COVID-19 was around 85 and right now it's just, it's dropped to around 78, which is still pretty... Pretty low. Pretty you know, high. Pretty high in pretty terms old. of, you know, yeah. age. And I, I, I think a part of our... our dilemma is that we're probably more committed to living longer than living well. And I think this is a cultural reality that the pandemic has actually exposed um, to us. Mm. Because I don't believe this is the last pandemic. I mean, I remember when H1N1 came. I SARS. Know, yeah, I, I, and uh, you know, there's- The swine flu. The swine flu. And, um, let, and when mad cow the, happened yeah mad cow and and there's so many so many ways to die and and I, I remember when SARS had broken out in Toronto I think I was the only speaker that didn't cancel I went into Toronto and spoke and going into um into Africa when uh yellow fever was rampant there and um choosing to go to places that were life-threatening because I, I felt that my life purpose demanded that I do that what I would say is your generation is going to have to grapple with a new reality because quarantine is not a strategy for surviving an onslaught of pandemics that may come. Your generation is going to have to decide uh, what it means to live, 
how to face um, imminent danger. And right now what we're dealing with is we don't have a strategy. Um, we're just holding on for dear life. And, um, and our, our society has not done well. And I think some of it is because the most responsible people acted responsibly. The most irresponsible people acted irresponsibly. And so you have people who are sheltering at home and people who are throwing ragers. You have, yeah. you know, you have masses of, of humanity going to spring break and other people who are um, holding on for some kind of economic stability. And, and, and even in that crisis, we had hundreds of thousands of people across the nation fill the streets during the Black Lives Matter protests. Yeah. And, and I think all of us knew, and you know, we, we were there, and, and um, that this went against everything that the CDC was telling us to stop the spread of COVID. And, and e even the COVID um, spread had dissipated dramatically the number of- Things were, starting, were gonna start opening back up, right? It, right everything before. was about to open up and everything has erupted again and no one's connecting it to that. But I think the reality is that you can't disconnect it to that moment in our, in, um, in the past five months. And, and yet what I would say is- And you're connecting, you're connecting the rise of COVID again with BLM protests. And we're not saying it's a, it was a bad thing. Across the country. But I'm, I'm gonna say something the exact opposite. Right. Um, when something matters enough, you're willing to risk your life. Yes. When-, when True uh, freedom. And, um, and when we saw what was happening in our society and we felt the weight of police brutality and systemic racism, I think basically hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions, basically said, I know we're at risk, but this is a moment where we need to show up and speak up. Yeah. And um, and I think this is the reality is that. And I do think it was worth it. Absolutely. Like, I, I, I could not, I cannot say that enough that it was worth it. And but see, that's the point. And there has to be things that are worth living for. Yes. Even when we jeopardize the longevity of our life. And I know this is so unpopular to say, but our culture's primary value cannot be to survive. It has to be to have meaning and purpose and intention to our lives.